1: Welcome into daily Faceoff Live your go-to source for everything hockey live every weekday at noon Eastern
3: we're back Happy New Year everyone it's January 3rd and welcome into daily Face off Live our first show in 2023 he's former NHL netminder Mike McKenna I'm Frank Saravali and we're happy to be with you on the other side of the holiday break Mike how was your holidays?
4: We did it, man. We got through it. You know what? It was a grind leading up to Christmas time. Once the presents opened, though, it felt like a weight off the shoulders. Good New Year's. Ready to rock. How about you, Frank?
3: Yeah, it's, uh, a lot of stuff to put together. I'm sure it was the same for you and your house. And uh, nice Christmas morning to settle in with a little breakfast and uh, my annual viewing of Christmas vacation. Perfect. But uh, let's start two nice. minutes. and in- Real, real nice, Clark. Uh, Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, and let's drop the puck with the story that's been dominating the sports world over the last 24 hours. And rightfully so, Mike. It actually feels a little bit wrong talking about sports today after what happened with Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin in his game against the Cincinnati Bengals on uh, Monday night. And, Mike, when you watch something like that, uh, just a horrific scene, uh, play out in front of everyone it certainly was tough to watch and I don't know about you but the first thing that I thought of was Chris Pronger and the slap shot that he took to the chest uh, that also caused his heart to stop and you saw Chris Pronger uh, tweet about it earlier today as well he tweeted the video and, and mentioned uh, the idea that he, he hopes that Hamlin has a similar recovery uh, still waiting on news from Hamlin but um, is that the first thing as a St. Lucian you also thought of
4: yeah for sure you know that was pretty um pretty influential in my childhood seeing pronger get hit and drop and you know it's it's just feels so strange when it happens like even with hamlin and pronger that you know it hits and there's a delay and then the person drops and it's just incredibly scary and um and i just wonder how you know maybe this affects things going forward here like this is not the type of incident that anybody wants to see firsthand. It's terrifying. And obviously, you know, we're all hoping for the best for Hamlin because we can't predict what's going to, what will happen. I mean, but Pronger managed to play game three of that series against Detroit once everything woke back up. So uh, it's pretty wild to see Frank. Um, I remember talking to the blues trainer, Ray Borrelli about it. He said, yeah, I mean, Prong's basically just kind of woke up on his own and, and, you know, it's a very unique experience and it's, it's tough to watch those as a sports fan and see that happen.
3: Yeah, we're still waiting on exact details for what happened with Hamlin, who remains in critical condition, and our thoughts are with him and his family and teammates and friends. Um, But I did go back and listen to the interview that you had with Blues trainer Ray Barilli, and that was on your Six Degrees of Mike McKenna podcast. Um, It was fascinating to hear the conversation, what it was like uh, attempting to evaluate a player in that type of condition, um, it's it's worthwhile to go back and listen to if you have the opportunity to do so and find it on Apple Podcast. Um, but when you look at, um, you mentioned the impact on sports moving forward, I think we're all in a better place now. It sounds scary to say, but if something like that is to happen, Hamlin was in the exact best place possible with all of the medical attention around him, doctors immediately on the field, ambulance, et cetera, paramedics. Uh, all the best in care available to him momentarily. I just wonder, Mike, and this isn't the day for hot takes, and this certainly isn't one, does this change the way we view sports now moving forward? Does this change our perspective? Because I think it probably should. Um, And if you do any sort of research on commotio cortis, which as Ray Barilli mentioned on your podcast, Chris Pronger is one of the very few people known to be on the planet that's actually survived something like that let alone to be back playing uh, just days later. Uh, Absolutely incredible. They still don't really know why that happened, uh, especially without the use of a defibrillator. But, you know, as we Mm -hmm. wait for more information, to me, it just feels like the way we view sports may be changing. Uh,
4: Maybe, but I, you know, I look back as a racing fan and I've seen to be, not to be morbid here, Frank, but I've seen people die racing and I have family friends that have been killed racing and it hasn't really changed my enthusiasm for that sport you know so um, I'm not sure if it would I think if these events were more common it maybe so and especially in football because you don't expect to see somebody you know have a catastrophic injury like this but and let's not kid ourselves hockey is just as prone to it baseball I could see a pitcher getting a getting hit by a ball there it, it could happen in sports so I'm not sure how much it's going to change things Frank um, it's definitely going to make people think about it though I think just like you mentioned as well
3: Yeah, maybe just that conversation, maybe to change equipment or padding or something like that to make players a little bit safer. Maybe that's the next step that comes from something like this. Speaking of racing, uh, we're going to make a hard right turn, and we're going to talk about Connor Bedard exactly almost at the same time that DeMar Hamlin went down on Monday Night Football. Connor Bedard had an incredible night up in Nova Scotia, Halifax, just um, an incredible scene, uh, spine-tingling scene. Uh, With his ability to set himself apart from the competition, not just in this World Juniors, but also in World Junior lore, uh, basically lapping the field now in terms of point production in a World Junior. It's incredible to see 34 points in 15 games played. Uh, Absolutely incredible to this point. And that moment coming in that game against Slovakia in overtime is something that people will be remembering for a long, long time. No
4: question. You know, I mean, that's taking the team on your shoulders, winning a game for your team, being the best player on the ice at the biggest moment. That's what Bedard did last night. And Frank, I just keep thinking about what this guy's NHL future is going to look like and the comparables. And it's hard to find many even in junior hockey. You know, he's been playing with Regina Pats in the Western League and scoring at almost a goal a game pace over his 15, 16, 17 year old seasons. You just don't find anybody that does that frank like we could be looking at a guy who's going to score 60 something goals in the nhl easily and it's his vision like he, it's he, there's a lot of people a great individual skill set but his game sense and his peripheral vision and the way he plays with his head up frank I, for someone that's 17 years old i haven't seen much of that and it's no wonder he's dominating and i think it's going to translate really quickly to his play at the nhl because he's just so aware on the ice
3: it's also the confidence. It's one thing to have the awareness, but it's another thing to then be able be confident enough to be able to pull stuff like that off. It's one thing to see it. It's another thing to do it. A lot of people can see it and think it, but can't actually pull it off. He's got the confidence and the creativity to do it. It is scary to watch. I just wonder if at any point, should we pump the brakes a little bit? I, I continue to ask this question. And I have a scout, uh, a close friend who's at the tournament that's watched Bedard his entire career to this point. And I keep asking the question, and I don't know if the answer is going to change, but I asked it before the game yesterday. I said, through the preliminary round, Connor Bedard, is he a generational talent or is he a franchise superstar? And he said, still in the franchise superstar category. So not quite in the McDavid-Matthews category. But you watch a performance like that with the stage, with the moment in Canada – putting the team on his back, and I'm like, that kind of feels generational. Maybe we're drawing a line that doesn't need to be drawn, but still, no doubt, a pretty special player.
4: Yeah, this guy's going to contend for hearts. Uh, He's going to be every bit as good as Austin Matthews. I don't know how many players can touch McDavid in terms of skill and putting it together, but Connor Bedard is going to be right there, man. He's special
3: yeah contend for hearts and he certainly won the hearts of canadian hockey fans as they head into the semifinals against team usa on thursday can't wait to watch that on wednesday excuse me uh mike uh the winter classic was played on monday as well sort of lost in the shuffle of all this news fenway park sparkled as it always does watching a hockey game being played in baseball's cathedral baseball's church Uh, Certainly nothing like it. Uh, What an incredible place to be. I covered the Winter Classic at Fenway Park in 2010, the first time it was there. Now, as we went back a second time, and as you see some of the images here, it just looked so good on TV. The weather was perfect. The ice looked like it was pretty good. Even though the game maybe didn't have that much flow to it, what would you make of the Winter Classic?
4: You know, I thought just about everything went well, except for Bobby Orr's attempted sauce pass uh, as a first pitch. It looked like Bobby hadn't picked up his stick in a little while, or maybe he was a little nervous. But, uh, you know, it took the Bruins a solid 40 minutes to really get going. And I thought that the game was, like you say, it was just kind of a little sluggish for a while. Um, But man, once it really picked up and the third period was just full of Full of tense drama, man. Like, and getting down to that last second, Malkin scores, but it's not in the net in time. Olmark goes for the empty net. You know, there was just a lot of really cool stuff that happened. And then I think after the game is when we really found out some of the depth of of why these games are still important to players and why it's still a big deal in the United States. You know, Nick Foligno is the former captain of the Blue Jackets. He's not the captain of the Bruins, but he's the guy that stood up between the second and third in that locker room and said, guys, this is special. We can't let this go away. You know, On the bench at the time, you got Patrice Bergeron basically telling Jim Montgomery to settle down. Like This is leadership when your coach can look around and look back to your coach. The captain can look back to the coach and say, hey, we got it, settle down, we're good. And they make good on it. So I I thought it was really entertaining, Frank. I thought it was well done. I thought TNT portrayed it well. And I don't know, man. I'm already looking forward to next year's. It's going to take place in Seattle.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, tired or wired? Like, are you into the Winter Classic? Like, to me, I've been a little bit tired of it. But I felt like watching this and how much it meant to the players, their families, and also, you know, we discount the fact nationally when you look at it and say, oh, just another winter classic, you know, who, okay, where is it this year? We, we stopped even chasing the news angle of where it's going to be in 2024. It was kind of funny to watch the NHL drop that on us uh, on Monday. Seattle, Vegas, T-Mobile Park in the Pacific Northwest, it, it feels like there was a built-in rivalry game there between seattle and vancouver they end up going with the two most recent nhl expansion franchises not sure there's any rivalry there uh but also they do play in the same division so maybe this will help start it what do you make of uh, the nhl heading out west in 2024
4: well i i think it's number one it's a it's a nice carrot to a new market that's done pretty well i hope it doesn't rain the whole game uh (laughs) but you know i think it'll show well and you've got to expand your reach like even going back to Fenway 10 years later felt like kind of a double dip, even though it showed really well. So I'm all for it. I like that it's the two new expansion teams rather than a regional rivalry. I think that's important. And um, and realistically, to me, this is still a big deal. Everybody I talked to in St. Louis, same way. They all look forward to the Winter Classic.
1: Huh.
3: Yeah, well, hey, look, this remains a very localized thing in terms of the interest in the market. Like I said, we tend to discount that nationally, but if you're in Boston, if you're in Pittsburgh and you drove up for the game in Boston, you were certainly into it and what a venue it was uh, heading back to Fenway Park for the second time. Uh, Mike, we got to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes. We were off for the holidays. They certainly weren't. They haven't been off all season long, And that's really a testament to the Canes who have now won 11 in a row. They have a 13-game point streak, and they've been on an absolute heater at this point in the season as they feel like they're running away with the Metropolitan Division, which is interesting because, Mike, we thought the New Jersey Devils were in that spot when they won 13 games in a row. Now Carolina 25-6-6. Mike, they don't lose. They don't have any blips on their schedule. This is a team that doesn't go on three game losing streaks or five game skids. The hurricanes are a model of consistency in today's NHL. And it feels like my Stanley cup pick at the beginning of the season is a force to be reckoned with in the East.
4: Yeah. 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 Pat yourself on the back, Frank. They're good. They're really good. Not
3: big enough Uh, for that.
4: (laughs) It takes some flexibility and dexterity to do that. I got those ridiculous arms, but, uh, Here's the deal, man, the Caroline, the Hurricanes attack in waves. It's line after line. It's team ethos. It's built by Rod Brindamore. They've got a great back end and they've gotten good goaltending this year. anti played the last five games undefeated. Piotr Kachetko has been fantastic for the club. Um, and I think realistically, this is a team that you're you're looking for minuscule growth throughout the year. What's been bad? Well, their power play hasn't been very good all season, but it's been better in December. OK, they bumped up to 25 percent in December. They're at 20 on most of the season. That's good for them. They're going to get Max Pacioretty back as a self ad in the coming month here. I wonder, Frank, though, if they go shopping a little bit at deadline. Like, do you have any do you think that they will? Because to me, they might be a little thin at center. Maybe they could add some depth on D. I think there's some attractive pieces that the Canes are probably going to go after if they can afford to do it under the salary cap. What say you?
3: Yeah, I was going to just ask you, a lot of people have viewed Max Pacioretty coming back and their ability to activate him off of LTIR as their big trade deadline acquisition. I think with the way that this team is currently positioned, they can go after a much bigger fish if they can afford it salary cap wise in terms of maybe moving a piece or two out to try and shift things around. There's always danger, I think, in messing with some of that consistency, but you hit it right on the head in terms of their team need. It's clearly second line center. They were hoping at this point uh, that they'd get more from Yasperi Kakaniemi with the contract that he signed. Uh, The first year of an eight-year deal, that has not panned out to this point. He hasn't been able to fill those shoes. I thought Paul Stasny might provide a little bit more. I don't think that he's the answer. Probably an ideal third-line guy on a contending team. So that's the glaring weakness in the hole. The question is, how do they find the cap space? And really, how aggressive are they going to be in order to make something like that happen? Because it feels like they're in a spot where they might be only able to take one swing. They've got the pieces and assets to do it, but it might bump up against their mantra, which is coming from the top down and Tom Dundon, their owner, in we want to be competitive every year. We want to have a chance to win every year. Give your team an opportunity to win. Don't load up in any one season and extend your window five or seven years. And the age range of this team, Mike, they've got the ability to do that.
4: Yeah, that's right. And and, and don't forget, there's going to be other teams that are going after pieces, especially if you're looking to a centerman, Horvat, O'Reilly, Taves, there's going to be plenty of suitors. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what Carolina can do. But that'll wrap it on this segment. We're going to take this over to trade targets, Frank. Your turn to shine. All right, Frank. We're starting to get a little bit closer towards the trade deadline, and we're going to head towards trade targets. Your favorite segment this year, this week, is brought to you by Montana's. Uh, Frank, the countdown's on. We're two months away from the NHL's trade deadline, and your new trade targets board is going to be up shortly at DailyFaceoff.com. Who's the big? Who's the new big name on the list?
3: Yeah, Mike, it's really interesting. Matthias Ekholm joins the list this week from the Nashville Predators. I'm told that uh, the Preds are in a spot where they're going to have to make some really difficult decisions. And this may surprise some people because Ekholm is in the first year of a four year deal at six point two five million. But you look at where the Preds are at in the standings. And I mentioned some of the difficult questions that they're going to have to ask themselves. With Ryan McDonough also north of $6 million, of course, Roman Yossi on the back end, a team that may need to head in a different direction and begin to rebuild a little bit, begin to pluck some pieces off and go in a different way. Having three defensemen on your blue line that basically average $6.5 million or more is probably pretty problematic moving forward. And so I'm told that the Preds are exploring their options on the back end. Uh, I, I think Ryan McDonough is probably less likely to move given that he waived his no trade clause in order to come to Nashville, probably got settled and is not thinking that he's going to be moving. But Eckholm does not have any no trade protection. So I think that's important to point out as part of this new contract that he has with the Preds. And Eckholm debuts on our new trade targets board in 2023 inside the top 10.
4: Mm. Well, I see that you got Anthony Duclair of the Florida Panthers posted at number eight on the board, but there's an asterisk by his name. So remind us all again why that needs to be there.
3: Yeah. So here's the thing about um, Anthony Duclair as you see him in the number eight spot with the asterisk. The Florida Panthers are eventually going to have to make a trade. They haven't had to do so yet because first off Duclair, who's been rehabbing from his June Achilles injury is not ready to come back just yet. Uh, We were told somewhere in the neighborhood of Christmas, it looks like it's gonna be probably a couple weeks further. And Patrick Hornquist has also been out indefinitely with what appears to be a concussion issue. So they haven't been forced on the issue just yet cap wise, but here's the bottom line with the Panthers moving forward. They don't have enough cap space to activate both players. So whichever guy comes back first, they can fit him in. The second guy, they're not going to have that ability to do so. I don't think the Panthers are going to be moving Patrick Hornquist. They may not even be moving Anthony Duclair. That's why the asterisk is there, because uh, they could choose to move someone else. But the point being, when both of these guys are healthy, the Florida Panthers have tapped out on cap space. They do not have any more. There's no way to create some. You can't send a player down. They have no flexibility. They will need to make a trade, provided that there are no other injuries in their lineup. You can't always guarantee that either. But, Mike, it's going to be a really interesting deadline in general for the Panthers, a 122-point team last year, on pace for a 42-plus point drop this season, uh, tracking to be an 80-point team and well out of the playoffs, sub-500 at this point in the season. It has been very disappointing for the Panthers, who I think expected to take a step back, but maybe not as many as they have.
4: Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see if they have to pay to see Duclair or Hornquist go away. If either of them needs to get moved, that might be costly. Real quickly here, you shared some news earlier today that Ryan Merkley, uh, San Jose's first round pick in 2018, he's a newcomer on the board. Why is that?
3: Yeah, Merkley slots into the 25 spot on our new trade targets board that's coming out later today, as you mentioned, on dailyfaceoff.com very simple he's requested a trade he's been in the ahl all season long played 39 games last year for the sharks but uh interesting in that he is a first round pick from 2018 we know that teams sometimes value pedigree he was a guy that seemed to be trending towards the top 10 in that draft and obviously went quite a bit lower based on some reported uh ice issues that teams had been concerned about um At this point, he's become a bona fide pro player. He still has waiver eligibility and a right shot guy that maybe someone will take a chance on uh, to see if they can find something in a new setting. Either put him in your lineup and see if he succeeds or potentially pump him up and use him as trade value elsewhere. I would be surprised if someone doesn't take a shot at some point on Ryan Merkley. Uh, And that'll do it for this week's edition of Trade Targets.
4: Yep. I'd be interested to see that icebreakers this week brought to you by Montana's this sports season, bring back the viewing party at Montana's with their brand new daily deals. I love barbecue. I know you love barbecue, Frank, and that's the specialty at Montana's things are getting saucy. So head over to Montana's.ca for more info. Frank, as always great job.
3: All right, Mike, time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag Ask DFO. Hit us up on Twitter. We'd be happy to answer your questions. Mike, my question to you is, I got a little bit of scaries thinking back to last year. I don't know if you want to call them Sunday scaries or what, but last January, mid-January, we are talking about the East having no playoff race. And at this point, it already feels like it's down to nine teams for eight spots. It feels like you can, you know, check the points percentages, and it is a little bit different, but the Buffalo Sabres and the Detroit Red Wings are falling out of the race. They're four or five points back, depending on how you look at it. Are you ready to count any of those teams out?
4: I think it's going to be really tough. Buffalo would be the one that I think has a little bit of momentum and trajectory right now. And I, I don't know, but I, but I don't see this as really being a negative because amongst those nine team teams, Frank, I think there's a lot of drama here. Like, I think the Devils have a chance at missing the playoffs. Like the Islanders could easily bump them. We don't know how this is going to move around. Uh, And that to me is the most intriguing aspect. It may not be if a team can bump in. It's to me who may fall out, Frank.
3: Yeah, I just hope we have a playoff race. Last year was so incredibly boring in the East. Those teams you know, basically putting up a 30-point gap between themselves and the non-playoff teams. There wasn't even really much jockeying for position because they felt like it didn't really matter. Uh, In this case, I think we've already seen one team that we sort of counted out for dead in the Washington Capitals that were so incredibly hot in the month of December. They're certainly right back in the race and in the thick of it. So, Perhaps a little bit too soon for a team like the Buffalo Sabers, who have gotten their act together over the last few weeks as well. Just concerned about the Detroit Red Wings, who seem to be scuffling of late. Mike, that brings us to Tyler Remchuk and our daily face-off points bet daily bet segment. Tyler, how did you do over the holidays? I honestly wasn't too
0: busy on the betting front over the holidays. Took some time to regroup, reflect, and come up with the New Year's resolution that I'm going to start winning more bets, Frank. So let's get that going tonight, courtesy of our friends out at PointsBet Canada. I got three games I am targeting on tonight's NHL slate, starting with that one at the top between the Seattle Kraken and the Edmonton Oilers. I'm getting a little greedy here. I don't mind taking the Oilers on that puck line. And I think the public is kind of behind me because the line is starting to shift a little bit. I saw it as high as plus 165 earlier this morning. Edmonton played really well against Seattle just over or just under a week ago, blowing them out in Seattle. Now they're back at home. Now they could also have Leon Dreisaitl in the lineup as well. I love taking the Oilers to once again beat the Kraken by two or more. The second matchup, the Dallas Stars. Again. Earlier this morning, this one was around minus 120, minus 125. It's starting to shift towards Dallas, and I still think there's value on them at this price. They've been getting some great goaltending. They have seven wins in their last 10. They've won four in a row. I like them to beat the LA Kings. who are playing good hockey themselves, but that goaltending matchup, I'm going to take the stars if I can get them at that price all day. And finally, to wrap things up, you guys were talking about Connor Bedard earlier, one team that's certainly in the hunt for him is the Chicago Blackhawks. They're terrible. They've won once in their last 10 games. The Tampa Bay Lightning are playing decent hockey right now. Eight wins in their last 10 games. The payout is not great. And again, it's moving towards Tampa Bay, so I'd probably jump on this as quick as you can, but I love the Lightning on the puck line at minus 140. Not a great payout, but I just don't see a way in which Chicago can keep this game close considering how well the Lightning have been playing as of late. So two puck line spots in Tampa and Edmonton, Frank, and Dallas on the straight up money line are my three plays for tonight.
3: So Tyler dried out a little bit over the holidays with some bets. His resolution is to uh, win some more. I've got a dry January going brought to you by Athletic Brewing, a proud sponsor of the DFO Rundown. We'll see. Uh, I don't know, I feel pretty good about dry January. I know I can make it to the finish line. Can you throw in enough good bets between now and then? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, we'll see. Not a lot of confidence <laughs> there for Tyler. Because, uh, we'd like to see more confidence and I know everyone watching would as well. Uh, Let's see what the shot prop King can come up with as well. He's been big on the shot props we'll of see. late, so we'll see. Uh, thanks to Tyler Emchuk for our points bet Daily Bet segment. That brings us to Mike McKenna and Garbage Time. Mike, what do you got? What's caught your attention? What's caught your eye from around the NHL?
4: Well, there's a lot of good stuff at the Winter Classic yesterday. I could have chosen. I mean, Olmark going for the empty net goal was was just amazing. He, he hooked it a little bit, you know. But what really caught my eye was the two-touch game before uh, – before the actual winter classic itself. And just watching the Bruins guys outside in the snow, kicking the ball around. And
1: That's not Frank, snow. I actually
4: missed, well, whatever this is going to be called. Okay. <laughs> Pipe, it's white, whatever. It's white man. carpet. but Yeah, it, it looks like snow to me. But I, I actually miss two touch as much as I miss playing, Frank. Like to mm. kick the ball around before, to be able to sewer people. Um, Keith Yandel was on the broadcast yesterday for TNT, and it just reminded me of how much joy he took from B.J. Crom being endlessly trying to bury me in two touch when we were with the Arizona Coyotes. And um, as tough as that was on my ego, it's a pretty fun memory. And, and this is something that all hockey players learn to do. I never played soccer growing up at all, um, but I learned to play two touch. I miss it. And I'm currently in the process of trying to organize a neighborhood wide two touch game every Sunday. Frank, you're welcome to join us uh, if you wanna fly in for it.
3: How's that working out? Neighborhood wide two touch? It seems pretty aggressive.
4: I got a couple takers on it, and I have one person volunteering to, to referee, which I've never seen a referee before. So I'll take what I can get.
3: I'm not nearly coordinated enough to play in two touch. Uh, so I don't think that's for me. I, much more my speed was the guys having a baseball catch Uh, to also warm up before their game at Fenway Park. Pretty cool to see the Bruins and the Penguins show up in their retro baseball uniforms representing both the Pirates and the old-timey Red Sox uniforms was pretty cool. So, Mike, uh, well done by you. That'll do it for today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. Thanks to Mike McKenna, Tyler Remchuk, as well as our head of production, Alex Lahr. We'll be back with you Wednesday, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Until then, enjoy the games and have a great day, everyone.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh
0: But there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under